Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. One of the things which makes Christianity to be so different from other religions is the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For Christians, we know that we serve a living Lord and not a dead man. We are not following someone who was human, but God who came in the flesh. John reveals this in the very beginning of his gospel. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 14, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So then verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There should be no doubt then that this Jesus of Nazareth was God who came to this world and took on fleshly form to be like us. The Hebrew writer says that this was necessary both for him to experience life as we do so that we know he understands us, but also so that he could be that sacrifice for our sins. Again, we read the following in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. In chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews, it then says in verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So, Jesus came and he took on the form of flesh and blood so that he could demonstrate the love of God, both in experiencing life just as we do so that we could understand that that he knows how we feel, and at the same time, Because he was flesh and blood, he could die. He could be the sacrifice for our sins. How then was he sacrificed? He died upon the cross. That is a central point in the preaching of the gospel, that God sent his son to die on the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins. As John revealed in his gospel in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Later in John's Gospel, Jesus records that he said that not only would he die, but that he would be resurrected. Consider these words as found in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Jesus here has spoken of himself as the good shepherd, and he talks about laying down his life for the sheep. And so he said in verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, 
but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So Jesus clearly says that in being crucified, he was willing to allow it to happen, and that it was in fulfillment of the plan of both the Father and the Son, that no man could force Jesus to die unless he was willing to do so. But even more, in dealing with our question today about the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus said he would lay down his life and take it again. He promised that he would be resurrected. He promised that he had the power to come forth from the grave and that none could stop him. Was the resurrection of Jesus Christ a myth? Now, if it is simply myth, and Jesus was not resurrected, then there are several things we must admit about Jesus. First, he lied. And if he lied, secondly, he's not God. And if he's not God, thirdly, he can't provide for our salvation. And fourthly, if he's not God and can't provide for our salvation because he's a liar, he's not worthy of our honoring or praising him. We would have to admit then that he's simply a man. And even at that, he's not a good man. He's not good because he deceived people and because his teaching today continues to deceive people. In effect, there's nothing good about Jesus. He's not a good teacher. He's not a good man. He's not a good student of the Word of God. However, if he is resurrected, then the resurrection is not a myth, and he is who he said he is. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who actually came to this world, who did take on fleshly form, so that he could be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. Now, how did his disciples view this? Did they believe a lie, or did they teach the truth? Well, first, let's consider, if they knew that he really was dead, why suffer persecution? From the very beginning in the book of Acts, it reminds us that because of their teaching of Jesus Christ, they were beaten, they were jailed, and some were killed. In fact, the man who later on becomes Paul We are introduced to him in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9 as a man named Saul who went about persecuting Christians. And he himself said that he led some of those to death. So he knew that they were being killed. James in Acts chapter 12 was beheaded by Herod. Saul was involved in going out and finding these disciples and then bringing them to trial and having them killed. Jesus died knowing that he was a liar. So one thing we would have to admit then is that all these disciples not only knew that Jesus lied, but they defended the lie and defended the lie by allowing themselves to be killed. That's not rational. Now, consider the evidence provided through Scripture. In John's Gospel, we read an account of the resurrection. 
This was given to create belief in us that he is the Christ. John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, this is the day that Jesus was resurrected, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were ascended, assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them, and said, Peace be unto you. And he said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life in his name. John includes this post-resurrection account. And then in the next chapter, he includes another post-resurrection account of Jesus meeting with his disciples, cooking food, and eating that food. And this is found in John 21, verses 1 through 12. Now, dead men don't eat, and it would be foolish to provide such an account unless it was designed to prove that Jesus truly was resurrected in the flesh, not simply in the minds of his disciples, not in their teaching, but truly and wholly resurrected, to speak with them, to have contact physically with them, and to eat with them. Peter said it was part of the evidence that he is the rightful heir of David's throne, dealing with the promise that God gave to David. This promise is found in 2 Samuel 7 and verses 12 and 13. David wanted to build a tabernacle, a, a house for God, but God would not allow him. But God used that as evidence that another would come. And so we read in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 and 13, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So God said one of his descendants, David's descendants, would be seated on a throne and that that kingdom would be established forever. So we know that he could not have been talking about Solomon. And so on the day of Pentecost, as we find the account in Acts chapter 2, 
Peter said that it was talking about Jesus, a descendant of David through the lineage of Mary. Consider Peter's message as found in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 24. Speaking of Jesus, Peter said, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad, moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter said, Jesus, being resurrected, was the fulfillment of all the promises given unto David with respect to the throne, and that being resurrected, Jesus has now ascended into heaven where he's seated on that throne. When Paul was inspired to write to the Corinthians, part of his message was to rebuke a false teaching dealing with the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul says the focal point of the gospel is the fulfillment of God's promises as evidence through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he goes on then in 1 Corinthians 15 to deal with those who would say that there is no resurrection. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain? Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them 
that slept. Paul makes the logical case that if Christ is not resurrected, there is no resurrection. And if God cannot do it once, then he can't do it over again. Conversely, if he can do it once, he can do it over and over again. Jesus then is the hope of our resurrection, or as Paul said in verse 20, the first fruit. A final thought is what Peter said about baptism as an example of the resurrection. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, he said, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter said that being baptized is an answer to God dealing with the resurrection. This agrees with what Paul was inspired to write in Romans 6 about baptism being an imitation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We ask the question, was the resurrection of Jesus Christ a myth? We would conclude by saying that just about everything with regards to Jesus is connected to his resurrection. If he is not resurrected, he's a false teacher and not one to be followed. His own teaching said the resurrection was something that he planned to happen. The resurrection was a demonstration of the power of God. The resurrection was the fulfillment of the promises made to David, which if Jesus is not resurrected, those promises are still unfulfilled. It is the means of entrance into the church and kingdom of God through baptism, because baptism is an illustration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our coming together as disciples upon the first day of the week reminds us of the day that Jesus was resurrected. No, my friends, there's no way to reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ and agree with the Bible. There's no way to reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ and be his disciples. It did happen. He is the Christ. It is not myth. And he is the hope of every Christian that one day we will join him with our Heavenly Father. This is Jim Walsh. Thank you once again for joining me on Eagle's Wings. I hope you have a wonderful day.